Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. All right, and we are live. Welcome Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators, episode 14, I believe. Did I get that right, Barrett? Yes? No? Maybe? Who knows? 014. 014. Okay. You know what? If we were really pretentious, it would be 0014, you know, because it would presume that there will eventually be a thousand episodes, but instead we presume there will be hundreds eventually. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, uh, I'm Nathan Berry. I'm joined by Barrett Brooks today. It's Q&A Friday. And I'm calling it casual Q&A Friday. Okay. I like it. Is that why you have the hat on? Like It justifies the hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I've got the t-shirt going today. So, you know, that makes sense. Uh, let's see. You've got a, you got Portland represented pretty well. You've got Columbia. You've got a I hat. do. I've got Columbia, local. Portland Trailblazers, local. Mount Hood, local. <laughs> fly fish. That's actually a North Carolina fly fish though. So, uh. Well, it's a, it's a trout, but it's on a fly. We get it. Anyways. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, on this note, Barrett, how are you doing today? Besides being uh, goofy and rambly from what we, was going on before we started recording. I'm chipper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I slept well last night, got up. I hung out with my son in bed for a while. Uh, I made some pancakes. Mm. It was my wife's turn to go to the grocery store this week. Uh, so I supported her in that journey. Uh, as I said to the team, uh, she she made a little bit of a joke. She said, do you think this is how cavemen felt every time before they had to go out and hunt? That it was like slightly dangerous and they were worried about a saber-toothed tiger getting them? And I found that fairly funny. That was like a good, yeah, that no, was a good joke, I like it. you know? And it's not unlike what we feel like right now. So anyways, I'm good. I'm green. How you doing? I'm, I'm good as well. I... Did another get up early, uh, get a bunch of work done, had a bunch of focus time. So that makes me happy. I've said this before. I love Figma as a design tool. And uh, I spent a, I, I've been in there for like three hours already today. And it's, it's just fun. So I'm doing well. Uh, I think after this, I'm going to cut out a little early and take the boys to the park. But like a park without people. And the playgrounds are all closed. So to be like any sort of destination... Without people. I don't know where it's going to be yet, but I got to get them out of the house before they drive both Hillary and I crazy. So that's what we're going to do after this episode. I love it. Uh, <laughs> one of our listeners, Emily, hi, Emily, just checked in and said she's doing well. We were joking, Emily, before the show that you're like our our good conscience where if my microphone isn't working, you let me know because my co-host won't. If we're still recording after the show's over, even though we don't realize we're still recording, you let us know. So here's the thing about yesterday's show. If you were tuned in, we got all the way to the end. I hit stop on YouTube. It says it's stopped. It says stream has ended. And yet all of you could still hear us self-congratulating ourselves <laughs> about how great of a show we had just made. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Lord. most important thing to be a successful creator is to have a very large ego. And uh, <laughs> we have that box <laughs> checked for both of us. Wow, Barrett, we are such good podcasters. Yes. Oh, man, that was the best episode yet. So good. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, uh, Teddy, 
I, you know, I keep calling you Callie, but I think you're going to have to give me a pronunciation because I think that I don't get it right. Anika, all of the regular crew, it's good to see you. Um, hope you're having good weeks. And Q&A Friday means that you get the privilege of getting your questions answered first. So if you have questions about your business, business in general, about us as people, professionals, about ConvertKit, whatever, it's a pretty fair game. It's more like an ask me anything than a specific topical kind of thing. I want to jump right in with, uh, we're going to skip the whole update. There's over a million cases in the yeah. world. Stay safe, stay healthy. Like, you know, at this point, it's just same routine. The first question came from Teddy, who's live. He let us know on Twitter ahead of time, which, you know, we always appreciate for sure. He said, what is the first thing you do after getting Zoom classes for current members set up if you owned a micro gym? So, you know, like my kettlebell gym or a CrossFit gym or yoga studio, like we were talking about, um, would you make a newsletter for current members? Would you build an email list of prospects, an MVP course, et cetera, et cetera? What would you start working on first? That's a great question. I love that question. Uh, I'll let you start, Nathan, and then uh, I'll add some color commentary. Yeah. So if I didn't already have an email list, I would start there because the thing that we're finding is there's plenty of people who want to spend money right now who want to support local. They just forget. Like for example, one of my favorite local places is called Boise Fry Company. I was wondering if they were even still open because I drove by one day and they were closed the time they normally should have been open. And, you know, so I wasn't even sure. I got an email from them yesterday saying, hey, we're still open. We're basically doing takeout. You can order, you know, from your phone, order from the curb. And I was like, oh, okay. I had no idea. So here I was ready to spend money with them. But then I thought, oh, they're closed, so I'm not going to. And an email solved that. So however you can get customers on your email list, even if you have, you know, you want to look up emails for individual gym members or something like that that you may not have collected or pass it around, um, I would start there. And then the next thing is I would expand. Well, actually, if revenue is short. I would email those people and say, hey, do you want private coaching? And any of those sort of things, right? You've got people who are paying the 100 bucks a month or whatever it is for a gym membership. And maybe they're totally willing to continue that for the online version. But I would just put out the ask and say, hey, is there anyone who's willing to, or who wants, um, you know, you're stuck at home a lot. Do you want nutrition planning? Do you want, you know, something else on this next level? Um, and then the thing I would do after that is try to take some of this content and spread it around. Because now we're not just thinking locally, we're thinking online. So uh, take some of those classes, take some of those lessons, spread them around on a landing page, try to you know, grow beyond the local group for the email list. Yeah. I love that. I, um, I sent my dad, one of the, he's been at home, obviously, like all of us, he lives in Florida. Um, they're actually headed up to their little mountain cabin in North Carolina now to, to quarantine themselves, but he's not been able to work out and he has a great daily habit that he's maintained pretty much his whole life. And I said, well, dad, working out is one of the things that drives you. So let me send you one of these body weight workouts from my gym. I mean, he ended up doing it and I think he's going to buy some now. And so one of the really cool things, like you're saying, Nathan, is that you open up all of online as potential customers. Now, anyone who shares your values and wants to be your customer at that point. So I would start definitely with email every Sunday or Monday or whatever the start of the week is, I would share the schedule for the week. Here's what we've got coming up. I might even share like a preview of the workouts or something like that, but just giving people a, a reminder that they're there because otherwise they have to just return to your website or follow you on social or whatever. So that's the first thing. Then I think I would probably start working on an MVP course too in the background. If I, if I had the time and the energy right now, I would do something like a, 
uh, a mobility course that's relatable to everyone that doesn't require weights. Uh, and it would also be relatable after all of this because everyone who's in CrossFit or a kettlebell gym or any kind of specialty gym like that yoga, there's almost like the physical therapy stuff you need to be doing for yourself to have the mobility and the flexibility you need to be healthy through all of the workouts. I do a course like that or I do like a movements fundamentals course. So, you know, maybe it would be like how to squat properly, how to deadlift properly. Um, just the fundamentals. If you were doing yoga, it'd be like down dog and, you know, all of the, the core positions just so that a beginner who might be a little scared to walk into the gym for the first time has those early movements down before they have to actually come in and feel like they're going to look goofy. I know at least for me, yep. sometimes I avoid new things because I don't want to look silly the first time I go do them. Oh yeah. I, I mean, the first time I went to a CrossFit gym years ago, I totally felt that the first time I started playing soccer, I was like, I, I don't know, like, you know, all of those things, whatever you can do to get someone past that. Um, like, I don't know the basic movements. I don't know what to do. Like, cause I would probably be more likely say a kettlebell class. If we were doing one of these zoom ones live where I'm like supposed to set up my zoom and join in and like call in with everybody, I'd be pretty hesitant to do it if I like, didn't know the basics, right. You know? And so if you're even had, whether it's the paid course or a handful of YouTube videos that said, okay, before you show up to your first class, now that they're all live, like watch these three videos and practice this a little bit, you know, just spend 10 minutes on it, you know, and then that'll give them that comfort to drop in pretty easily. Yep. Um, okay. Kurt jumps straight to the head of the list here because he's live. He says, what do you recommend for getting into the second or third tier of connections? I've got about 250 people on my email list. I know almost all of them. What do you do to connect with people that they know? Love this question. This is great because you're, you're really getting, you're saying, okay, my mom's on my email list. My 10 best friends are on my email list. My wider network's on my email list. I'm fresh out of ideas. And so this is where there's a little bit of a chasm that you have to get across between your natural network that already exists and people that don't know you that you want to pay attention to you. So where do you start in this scenario, Nathan? Yeah, so I'd go, I'd go two directions and I'd do them at the same time because you do have this basic momentum going. So the first thing that I would do is I would send out an email, uh, maybe with some great content, um, all of that, maybe just a one-off email. Hey, really quick, as we go into the weekend, one quick question, I got you know, 250 people have joined this list. That's amazing. Uh, do you know, know anyone else who would enjoy this content? I'd love a referral. Send them to this landing page to sign up because you might find that of those 250, you get 30, 40, 50 replies. So maybe like, yeah, I got somebody. And that's a good way to grow the list say by 10, 20% really quickly. And it takes very, very little effort and people are happy to get started. That's a case. So we talked earlier a few episodes ago about not pretending to be bigger and more successful or something that you're not. And that's the case where if you say, hey, I've got 250 people here and you're all amazing and I'm looking to go to more, like that's totally different than if someone's like, I have 400,000 people on my email list and I would like you you to help me get more. You know, and you're like, I don't feel the same desire to help you out. So when you're just authentic like that, it really helps. Uh, and then the second thing that I would say is now's the time to create you know, one of those lead magnets or one of those incentives that we talked about where it's really packaging up uh, either in an ebook or an email course or, or you know, a, a video they can watch that's behind an, uh, an opt-in. It's a time to make something that's really going to spread beyond people just signing up because they know and like you. 
Yeah, this is actually the exact point. Uh, this might be surprising actually, but I don't do a lot of work on my own stuff. And so my audience doesn't grow super big. So I think I've got, I don't know, in the neighborhood of 500 people on my email list right now. And um, what I'm doing is I think I shared yesterday that I'm reading some different research papers that I'm really interested in, but it's toward the outcome of writing a free ebook on how to find meaningful work, basically. Not like tactically, but what meaningful work is even. And what research tells us about that, what my experience tells us about that as a giveaway. And so that's one of the tactics that I'm definitely going to use. But the second thing that um, I think can work really well, this requires a little more effort, but I think it, it serves a couple of different purposes, is emailing your list and asking them one challenge that they have related to your topic right now. So like, what are you struggling with at work right now? Uh, if it's a work-related blog or what was hard about getting out on the river this past season uh, for fly fishing or I don't know, whatever, something like that. And you'll get a bunch of responses there too. And then I would write articles for the ones that make sense, obviously, that fit your topic. I would write articles on those topics. So now you have content strategy, number one, solving real problems for your audience. And two, I would follow up with those individuals and I'd say, hey, I wrote this article based on that thing you sent me. I'd love it if you'd share with some friends. I'm really trying to grow my audience right now. And that is, it's, it runs a little counter to our advice yesterday, but that's because they asked for it. And because specifically you're trying to get their network to know that you exist. And so I think sometimes in a situation like that, where you've given first, asking them to share with people that they know too, might be a, a useful thing for you. Yeah. And it is actually a different relationship there of like me reaching out to one of my peers and saying, Hey, will you check this out or share that? That's, that's a bigger ask, you know, and that's more what we're talking about yesterday. And this is more of someone is subscribing to your content and you're saying, Hey, if you like this, like reach out to more people. The next question that we've got is uh, from obviously Stu on Twitter. And uh, it says, I'd be keen to know about the way things failed or resulted in undesired outcomes in the early days and how the team learned and corrected. There's a lot. Barrett, I'm going to put this one to you first. I'm curious what failure we want to go with. Oh, man. There's like hundreds we could talk about. Should we go with the name change? Oh, the name change. There will be an, so we started a, a different podcast for those of you that are really interested in the ConvertKit story because it's a, con, a ConvertKit question. But uh, we're going to have a whole show on remote work and bootstrapping and all that kind of thing for other software founders. So this gets a little bit into that and we'll do a full episode eventually, but the name change is the epitome of a major mistake. So we, if you didn't know, uh, we're, we're going to bring this back up again. I think it's not too soon now, Emily, we for a long time felt like ConvertKit was a name that was almost like too techie, too kind of functional right. for the mission that we have and that we believe in, and that it didn't resonate as deeply as, with creators as maybe another name would. And so for months, really years, actually, yeah. we had a conversation. We went through, I mean, I've got pages and pages in some of my old notebooks of just words. I literally would go through, like, I'd think of one word that had a, a meaning I liked. I'd go through a thesaurus and find every word. And then I'd go find, like, plays on that word or string together multiple words looking for names for the company. And finally, we were at... Um, oh, Lord. This is going to open up a whole can of worms. This is great, though. I love it. Yeah. Uh, we, we were at... In San Diego, after a team retreat, three years ago, two or three years ago, and must be three. I think I think two. it was actually two. It was two, two, yeah. um, two years ago, and 
a company called Prana that's now owned by Columbia is headquartered outside of San Diego. And Nathan's executive assistant used to work at Columbia. And so she had a connection to the leadership at Prana. And she set us up with their president or CEO, the, yep. the leader basically of, of their company to go have kind of like an executive mentoring session for our leadership team. It was almost like a round table with their leader and- um, Tour of the company, how they mm-hmm. do business, all of that. It was really, really cool. Super cool. And we sat down with him and he said, ah, I'm, I'm bummed y'all came on today because actually a lot of our teams out of the office, they're, they're out for a, a seva day. And we're like, what's that? And he said, oh, well, it's, it's a Sanskrit word. Uh, it means to give without the expectation of anything in return. And we use those to describe the days when we go out into the community and do service work. It's like, huh. And that word just stuck with me. So I'm going to take, this is my fault at the end of the day. Uh, I heard that word and we got back in the car and I said, hey, did y'all, did y'all catch that word that he used? And, um, and we kind of floated it around a little bit and we did some more research and, and got to know the meaning behind Looked it. Looked into the domain name, see if it was yep. available, all of that. Because one of the hardest things about naming a company like this, especially a well-established one, is that four, five, six letter domain names just don't exist. They're all taken for the most part, especially for common words. And so we looked it up and it was not available, but it was not being used either, which usually means it's for sale. Yeah, domain investors. And they actually had it for lease for, they're offering to lease it for a couple thousand dollars a month. And that was within our price range. We can get into the whole story and everything, but like, I want to make a bit of a distinction where I think the mistake was. A lot of people think the mistake was changing the name of the company. And like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like once you pick a name of a company, it's stuck with it for a long time. And I think there's actually a lot of companies that have changed their names really successfully. And that hasn't been an issue. One that we're a customer of uh, is a company called eShares that rebranded to Carta. And now we're like, oh, Carta is a better name. And they actually did it because they couldn't buy eShares.com. And somebody was like, kept charging as their business grew. They like kept raising the price of what that would be. And so they changed the name and went a different direction. The mistake that we made was not truly doing the uh, due diligence. I can't talk today. Due diligence and really diving in because we saw, oh, in uh, Sanskrit, it means selfless service or giving without the expectation of return. We didn't dive in far enough to see that it like has true, like really, really, I was going to say meaningful meaning. Uh, That's a bit repetitive, (laughs) but like just how important it is. We're like, oh, it's this word that means that. And what we should have done is really try to understand it and understand all the implications and, and really stick to something from our own culture. Cause we wouldn't have run into, we wouldn't have had that lack of knowledge if we hadn't been branching outside of our own language and culture. Yeah. And we had some other names that we were considering and things like that. And, um, I think ultimately understanding the cultural context was the most important thing we didn't do. But the second, the the mistake right before that, that I think led to that mistake was a desire to move quickly. And so sometimes our instincts serve us really well as leaders. And I think we've seen that over the past couple of months. And now we have the benefit of having learned from some mistakes like this too, but launching the creator fund, launching this podcast, making changes to our free plan. These were all similar changes made in similar kinds of ways, but they had many fewer risk factors involved that were going to impact, especially people outside of the company. Whereas a name change that takes advantage of a word that's very relevant for a lot of people and very sacred for a lot of people Mm -hmm. in the world 
had a lot of external factors that we actually didn't understand and that we couldn't control for. And so that was the major mistake that that we made. And, and it caused a lot of pain. You know, I mean, that was a rough few months there. And it was probably, you know, it cost us over half a million dollars. A lot of things. Yeah, it was a whole thing. So you said something interesting and uh, everyone can feel free to jump in with more questions in the chat. But until that happens, I'm going to ask, I have a question for you, Barrett, of how would you, if you're coaching somebody, how would you coach them to make that distinction? Like what framework would you have them think about? Because, you know, there's a lot of times we're saying in this, like move fast, make these decisions and let's go. And then we're also sharing this example of like, here's a time that we moved way too quickly. So how do you think about that? And when do you put it in each bucket? Yeah, I think really it's getting into the mindset of who all does this have the potential to impact? And so we needed to think about all of the stakeholders at the time, not just us. And we knew us and our customers. I think we kind of thought through the lens of also, okay, people promoting us also. Mm-hmm. So our affiliates and other partners. I don't know that we we really embraced the reality that we had a brand that was wider than just the customer base. You know, it, it was known amongst more people than that. And that meant that for a culturally sensitive word, it was going to impact more people than just direct, you know, the community was a stakeholder basically. And so what I would do is I'd go look up stakeholder theory. If I were actually in a coaching call, I would have looked up stakeholder theory ahead of time and I would have run through each of the stakeholder groups. Okay. Owners, employees, customers, partners, community, and maybe that's all of them. Yeah. And I would say, how will it impact each of these groups? Let's do an, a thought exercise and almost a pre-mortem. So both ways, if this goes really well, how will it impact customers? If this goes really shitty, how will this impact customers? And now you've got kind of the range of possibility for each group of people. And I think had we done more research, if when we got to the community piece or even customers, we would have known that if this goes really poorly and it's taken the wrong way, this is going to hurt some people hurt, you know, being emotional, not physical, obviously. And I think that would have helped us avoid it maybe. So that would be the framework I'd use. I think that's good. And you can, you know, look at each decision and see, you know, where should you go? There's also, you know, you could look at it from a risk reward perspective, but you mentioned pre-mortems and that's just a really useful tool. Back then we didn't use that tool. Now we use it quite a lot. It's in a lot of different sources, but the one that sparked it for me uh, was reading Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. He talks about it in there. And basically the idea is you're about to make a decision or yeah, yeah, you're about to make a decision. You're saying we're going to change the name of our company, launch this product. I don't know, start a conference, anything else. We'll launch a free plan. That's one that we've done recently. And what you do is you say, okay, it's a year from now. This has failed. Let's fully step into that mindset that it completely failed. And um, how did it fail? So we're not saying if it will fail. What we're doing is saying it did fail in what ways? And so we step into that and we write out all the ways that it could fail. And we separate that from, you know, how it could fail. Like there'll be this tendency to be like, it could fail this way. And like, let me immediately explain why it's not going to fail that way. And that's, you don't, you don't need to do that. Separate those where you say, we're just talking about how it's going to fail or how it did fail. Cause we're pretending that we're in the future. And then, um, after we list all of those out, then we dive in on the other side and say, okay, each one of these things, how could we, how likely do we think that is to happen? What could we do to prevent it and go from there? Love it. 
Um, let's see. Let's maybe do one more question. If there's any more live ones, we can answer those too. But uh, let's see. I'm trying to pick the, the best last one for the day. Okay, here's a, an email specific one that I actually think is probably relevant for a lot of people, especially if you're getting started. This is from John. This comes from the ConvertKit community at community.convertkit.com, which is a great forum and relationship building place to go for other creators. I have a couple email lists from past talks and events I did maybe two years ago. Is it okay to add them to my subscriber list now that I have ConvertKit? What's the best way to do that? And should I send them an email first? So you've got a, a kind of stale list of people who at one time indicated interest in your business or what you're up to. Can you use them as your email list or a starting point for your email list? Um, I would say that's actually a hard question. <laughs> it's more complicated than you would think. So here's what I would do, depending on how old the list is. If the list is more than say two years old, I might set it aside completely and move on. Less than that, say in the six months to two years range, depending on how strongly they opted in and all, and all that, I think I would send one email and I would say, here's who I am. Here's how you got on the list. Here's what I'm going to be talking about going forward. If you would like to join that list, click here. And I would do an automation in ConvertKit where when they click that, they get a tag added. And everybody that clicks and engages with that email, I would bring over to that that new list. And it, you know, it'd be hard. I might maybe I had a thousand people, and I'm only going to get a hundred onto this new list. But I'm getting a hundred people who really want it, rather than you know a thousand people who are like, who is this person? I don't know a Barrett Brooks. Like delete spam, whatever else. You know me. Stop <laughs> it. No, I I totally agree. I would I would ask them to specifically opt into the new thing. The only way I could see that being different is if you are running the same business that's still active that they opted into to begin with, and you just haven't been emailing, I could see doing the inverse actually, yep. where you send them an email and say, opt out if you're no longer interested and just kind of leave that up to them. But the thing you're trying to protect against, so, so just to give you a little peek behind the curtain, is you're trying to protect against people who don't recognize you, who mark your emails as spam, and then who set your entire account up to go to spam or to um, through the filters in a way that it doesn't get delivered to your legitimate email subscribers in the future. So what I would think about is, how likely is it that these people on this list are actually going to want what I send them over time? And will I be sad to have taken advantage of that when I have 10,000 subscribers because I have worse deliverability because of the decisions I made today? And it doesn't stay forever. You can improve your reputation for sure, but it's a lot harder to improve your email sending reputation than it is to maintain it. So I would just think very carefully about the legitimacy of their interest and in what you're up to. Yep, that's awesome. Um, all right, I want to dive from there into creators of the day. Uh, the creator that I want to share uh, would have been on stage at Craft and Commerce uh, at 2020. He will be on stage at Craft and Commerce 2021, though, which is like Craft and Commerce 2020, but a year later. <laughs> uh, so Nicholas uh, does this amazing concept art. Here he is on Instagram. He's a fantastic illustrator. He's done a few different books. Really love his stuff. Um, Let's see. He's done just some great uh, shirts and everything else, but he has this Sunday sketch that he does of a lot of these like cultural focused sketches that he puts out, you know, every week on Sunday. And so he's got a whole audience built around that, you know, and he's selling uh, books of them and 
and uh, everything there. But he's got some really fun ones. You know, he's got the Obamas as uh, the Incredibles and just <laughs> he's got a really fun, playful style. And he doesn't like shy away from taking on uh, big cultural issues as well. So Nicholas.com. That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to seeing him give a talk uh, when that finally happens. My creator of the day, let me get my screen share, right? Is Jimmy Chen. Jimmy Chen and his life partner uh, partner up on a lot of projects. They are the directors and producers behind Free Solo, which was a, a climbing film that came out and won uh, Oscar for Best Documentary last year. He's an outdoor adventurist, uh, explorer, filmmaker, photographer. It's He's really incredible because he's got all of the technical, physical skills of outdoors people. And while he's doing it, he's usually filming or uh, photographing the event. So there's a number of documentaries that feature him or that have been shot by him. I'd really recommend them if you love hiking, climbing, skiing, basically anything outside, or even if you just love seeing uh, human potential, you know, being exercised. He's a great example of, um, or he creates great examples of people challenging themselves in sometimes terrifying ways, but uh, the the visuals are always stunning and I'm a big fan of his work. Love it. I still haven't seen Free Solo. I need to do that. Whew, my palm sweated the entire movie. I saw it in theaters and then again at home and both times my hands were just sweaty. Oh man. Yeah, maybe I'll have to do that. Uh, oh, side note, I don't have a resource of the day, but I'll share this. Uh, we started watching Secondhand Lions uh, yesterday, last night. I'm like trying to find kid, uh, movies that I really enjoy that the kids will also like. And uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out because it's quite entertaining and just like a very uh, easy, fun movie. And so that's what we're going to finish tonight uh, for our Friday night movie night. Um, anyway, Barrett, what resource do you have today? Um, I love plants, house plants. Uh, we, we actually have a channel in our team Slack called Plant Kit. Our lame inside joke for anything <laughs> that we uh, do is just use half of our name and then stick whatever the topic is. So like for music taste in our Slack channel, it's convert jams. And for plants, it's plant kit. So there's a little peek inside our culture with how nerdy we are. Um, but we probably have, I don't know, in the neighborhood of 20 house plants. And it can get a little unwieldy with the different watering schedules that each one needs and how often they need fertilizer and yada, yada. So there's an app for that. It's called Planta, P-L-A-N-T-A. And I find that having a little green in my house, number one, makes the air fresher. And number two, it just adds a little brightness and delight. So even when it's you know dark and gray outside, I've got green plants all over my home and um, just gives me a little like zen activity whenever I take care of them. And the app helps me keep track of it. So- there you go. Planta. Love it. All right. That uh, wraps up our episode for the day. You know, I was thinking about like a thought of the day, something to close on. And kind of what stood out to me the most is with our, like our, you can tell we're just having fun today, like casual Friday. So this weekend I would just, I would see like, okay, what are the things that are just going to make you just have fun and just have a good time and be playful and all of that. So whether it's a new project or whether it's just time with family or whatever else, like what gets you in that? Like, eh, we're just here to goof off, have a good time and have fun and spend time on that this weekend. Big fan of that. All right, y'all. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. Thanks for 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today. We'll